When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio at Chant TV. It is good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Glad to have you on board. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. Got the director and producer extraordinaire back together in the same room again. We're all one big happy family yet again. It's good as we get set to uh, embark on uh, on on another football season and one that's going to be uh, lively. I think that the you know I, I I'm fond of saying over the years uh, that. Basically, you can you can in your mind vet a season and talk about a game that you think the the team will win or lose, but wins and losses happen for a reason, and when they do, they affect one's emotions. Uh, and it's one thing to say I think they're going to go eight and four, and then they go eight and four, but you have to watch it play out. And maybe you win a game you weren't supposed to win, and you're really high on the product and really happy with where this thing is headed. Maybe you lose a game you're not supposed to lose, and exact opposite to overwhelms you so it's funny I was talking with uh director here during the break and i missed him it's nice to be in the same room yeah. with director um your wife christy the first lady of the jeff cameron show is fond of saying that you know at the end of football season it looks like we're in a second term of a presidency yeah we look half dead right but with that being said i still i'm glad that we're starting to feel the urgency of a football season this feels good it's not quite all the way up to 100%. Better not be. You'd, be. you'd be tuckered out, Tom. Sure. But no, just meaning the urgency of the topics. They feel a little bit more tangible, which is great. Because for a while, it's the hypothetical season is fun, and it's a good exercise. And sometimes there are material developments that will help you construct your viewpoint and projection of what the team's going to be. But now it's just it's here. I mean, this time next week, you've got Mike Norvell and three players talking in Charlotte. They're going to be practicing by next Friday or Saturday. It's got to be one of those two days. That's actually, um, you know, it's funny. Do the uh, days until college football type in? You know, I do that every year. We, you know, you start counting those things down, and you you get giddy when you get under sixty, like I do. That's usually the number. The magic number for me is um, how many days until kickoff, and I click that screen depending on the the list you're looking at there. The and you go, oh, look at that. We only have, and then they'll say fifty two days, or you know, and and. It's not far now, uh, obviously. 52 days, in fact, is what I just referenced. Right, but, right. but there you are, and 
weekend comes and we're in the 40s and it's here, man. I mean, that's not a lot of time. Coaches begin to feel it now because this is, whew. Well, and this is where I think we can all cop to it as members of the media here in Tallahassee. We're rooting for Mike because we love the access. Covering a camp under Mike Norvell is a completely different experience than I've ever had. Maybe Jimbo's first year was something close to this, but within a year he was done letting us in. It was and, never it was never this good. And and there's so much to to win, so many reps to win at so many different positions this year. Offensive line is the number one thing for me, but the the corner job that's open, who's going to take hold of receiver positions two and three, mm-hmm. ba- the running back tandem. We I, I think I it's going to be know. Benson. Yeah, I, but right, but we know the two. Still, there's enough when we get this access to learn every day. A lot of years, recent years, even with Mike's access, you're like, well, these guys are going to be your starters because you've got no backups anyway. Right. And I, the thing for me is it's not just that, and I've said this, and I agree with you, but it's not just that I want Mike to succeed because of the great access that we get. I mean, that's helpful. It helps us do our jobs. And I think it's always a lot more fun for me to come on the air when I have real context for the opinions that I'm about to give. And that context is gleaned from going to the practices and talking to the players and coaches of whom we have access to because of Mike's policies. I agree with you there. That, that is important and it's helpful. But I'm also uh, rooting for Mike because I, selfishly, certainly don't want this program to have to start over yet again. We know continuity matters. If you can build something that's successful to where you can have continuity – with your head coach from years year to year, that it's 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 ideal. It's certainly what you would what you would prefer as opposed to another. I mean, think about it. If you were to have to make a move here, you will have gone through Mike Norvell, Willie Taggart, and Jimbo Fisher. I, you will be bringing in a fourth head coach in what is that eight years? Yeah, six or seven. That's I think, ridiculous yeah. when you say that out loud. That's absurd. That's the stuff that Tennessee and Auburn and other schools that were perpetually down were doing. And when you saw it from afar, when you when you said about another school, do you know they've brought in four head coaches in seven years? That's the definition definition of foolhardy and unstable. I mean, that is you got no chance. So that's the argument. That's the counter against saying that you should make a move even if you go six and six. It's like, do you really want to start over again? But he will have lost the fan base and he will have no chance in recruiting. So the reality is you would maybe very well need to do that, you know? And Man, we ain't going down that path. I'm just saying I'm Jordan saying, Travis is gonna be healthy for twelve games. Right. And he's gotta be better for twelve games too. He can't just be healthy. He's gotta be better. He hasn't been great. He's tough, but he gets hurt a lot. And Misses some throws that are there as a pocket passer. We've got to see him step up. Not all of this has been his fault. The offensive line hasn't been great, and he's had nothing in the way of a wide receiving core that was worth a damn. Bunch of bums is what he's had to throw to. And, you know, uh, that's two fingers to my eyes. Ron, two fingers to you. I keep doing it. I'm freaking Jimmy over here from Goodfellas at the end of the bar looking at Maury smoking my cigarette. You know, he won't, Maury won't shut the hell up, and I'm making decisions. So it's, it's tough. Today. <laughs> we need wins today. But it's tough, man. I mean, it's, it's true. You get to that breaking point, but I don't want to start over, not for all of the aforementioned reasons here, but I don't want to start over because I actually think Mike's a good coach. I think what we witness every day at practice is the behavior and the game plan put in place 
by a coach that has a vision and a plan and I think an ability to teach the game. These are all very important aspects of coaching. I say it all the time, and I've learned this more and more over the years. Good coaches get fired. It happens. So it's not to say that, hey, I think he's a good coach. Don't fire him no matter what. Oh, no. no. <laughs> good coaches get fired all the time. It happens. It happens more in other sports, too. A good example is uh, you, you were really high on a hockey coach recently. Not for us, but uh, he just got fired again. Um, there was somebody that you were mentioning that was it was Chicago. And oh, went what, you Florida. mean Trotz, who got fired from uh, the Islanders? Somebody got fired from Florida. He's a G. Oh, man. The, the coach right before the coach they have right now with the Panthers. Um, yeah, well, Quenville, was, he was tied up in the Chicago uh, right. scandal. Yeah, he, right. Good coach. Got fired again. Yeah. It's not the first time. It's it wasn't for aptitude. It was for but, all the wrong reasons. But, but yeah, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. the point remains, good coaches get fired all the time. If you're excellent at teaching X's and O's, connecting to players, speaking to boosters, raising money, Whatever it might be, that's all well and good. What if you can't recruit? You're going to get fired because your kids can't play and you're going to lose. What if you can really recruit but you can't coach the game a lick and you lose fifty every 50-50 game you lose and you certainly never pull an upset because you're not smart enough as a coach to do so, you're going to get fired. You just saw that at the University of Florida. You know, that coach is a good game day coach. Got his ass fired. Didn't recruit well. Couldn't relate to... The Bull Gators didn't relate well to boosters. Couldn't relate to humanity. Struggled mightily to connect to any human being. But he could really coach it up on a Saturday. Got fired. Happens all the time. So, and then, well, anyhow. That's a skill in its own right. If you're really close, you just need a coach to put you over the top. Like, let Mullen come in for a year and then fire him. (laughs) And then he can go to the other team Uh, that's really close. Coach is not putting him over the top. He can coach for one year and fire him. But I don't. Mike's done a lot of things really well in my estimation here. Now I have second guessed some decisions about the staff. That's a very different discussion. It may end up being what costs him dearly. We'll see. But he has done a good job of flipping that locker room, removing the toxicity, getting keep people to buy in, selling a vision, relating and connecting to his players. He's done a very good job. They've got to get better in recruiting. But per my earlier point in hour number one, you're not going to get appreciably better at recruiting because you lost the window of the new car smell when you were hired at a really difficult time and then COVID hit and you didn't get a chance to connect with players and coaches throughout the state for almost two years. (laughs) That's just bad. That's bad luck. But you didn't get that opportunity. So you're not suddenly going to see that impact recruiting the way it does with all the new coaches like you're getting down at Miami right now uh, with, with Cristobal. And anytime a new coach comes in, if it's an ideal set of circumstances, usually they get a little bit of an uptick, uh, although Florida fans are wringing their hands because it's not happening there with Napier, but which is a shame. But that said, uh, and that's obviously sarcastic, folks, uh, he 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 can win games and and change if if it happens this year. Uh, what quality of player looks at this? Not just you know football program, but this institution looking down the line of where is it all going? It all changes with wins, 
And he's got to find a way to do that. And, uh, you know, that's that's why this year we keep coming back to it. I don't want to have to start over because I think he's a good coach. And he's got a lot of the factors that I want in a head coach. But if you have to fire him, you have to fire him. I mean, that's I guess that's what I'm getting at. On the good side of the coin, though, related to the Atkins point about, you know, as long as he doesn't get that kind of offer as a head coach, let's just say project success. Mm-hmm. Let, let's be positive for a moment that he would stick around Atkins. Would. Well, then also, if you succeed in turn – what Alford has projected to the football program is if you can get a better position coach, insert position here. I know everybody's got their wish list in the chat and driving around town. We got the money to do it. We'll make it happen for you. You just got to give us a reason for other coaches to say yes to coming here, which they did not do last year because they don't know that they're going to be here very long. Nobody wants to do what Kendall Bryles did, which is chill here for like three months and then peace. <laughs> okay. Kendall, I feel like Kendall's career is going to kind of go yeah, that that's way. That's probably, yeah. yeah it feels yeah. like that's kind of going to always Nobody be wants there. to be that guy, though. They want to be somewhere where they progress, and then they get paid more money, and then they get paid more money again, and they get a, a raise, and they get, well, that would be being paid more money. They get a promotion to a new title. Like, that's what Mike can do, and that was his track record before he got here, but it's too unstable. The good news is I don't think we're going to withhold funds if we can get an upgrade. we just got to be attractive enough. To get that upgrade. Yeah, and remember, they were proactive here, so that's another good sign if you're a coach looking from the outside that perhaps in some ways counters your you know, your voice in, in your inner voice. If you're a coach from the outside going, uh eh. It seems a little shaky down there. I'm not sure I want to go there. I don't know that the coach is gonna be there very long. That's not a job I want. However, the guy that they've clearly identified as their top recruiter on the staff and a man on the rise they got out in front of and paid handsomely and extended. So they are showing that they're proactive in recognizing those that are doing good for this program that obviously is, you hope, on the way up. So they know, oh, if you do a good job, they'll pay you. They'll pay you down there. They're not being cheap around here. They're not being cheap. That's important, too, because a lot of times you can say, well, they're headed nowhere, that coach is a dead-end coach, right. and they don't pay. No, no, no. Florida State's paying. They're doing well. They're investing in football. Right. That's what I'm saying in fewer words. It's a more efficient way of putting it. Money's not going to be a problem if we win enough games to go get upgrades for this staff. Yeah, that's true. And it's um, <laughs> it's now a matter of the uh, – I mean, Kylie, I counted – I think it was seven. I was When I was doing the schedule thing yesterday, with I did it for the ACC and I did it for the Big 12. And I was doing, it's like maybe eight games, and I've brought this up before, but it's just another reminder uh, where the, those are going to be spreads of less than a touchdown. Mm-hmm. The Louisville game's important, too, because somehow, someway, they've got recruiting momentum. Their NIL presentation must be robust. But you could see that thing fall to pieces if they do what they typically do. A little Papa John's money helping out there? No, unless, unless he's back. Yeah, you're right. That's I, right. I knew you needed me. I had over 40 pizzas. 40 pizzas yesterday. I'm sweating profusely. Let's see. I'm going to go back through that. Here we go. Well, Duquesne will be double-digit favorites there. But obviously, we're slight underdogs, less than a touchdown to LSU. It's basically a pick against Louisville. We'll be a yeah, slight underdog. probably two and a half, three points yeah, for them. We'll be a slight underdog against Louisville, sure. Yeah. Uh, we could be more than a touchdown favorite against BC. Could be. Depends. If, we, if we're if we 2 and 1, yeah, it could be. Probably an underdog to Wake Forest. We are an underdog to NC State, but both will be less than a touchdown. Ooh, NC State will be an interesting one. That's because it's there. And if it's a night kick, well, and they've got a veteran quarterback who's really yeah. good. And I could see that being between seven and ten. 
Oh, if we're 10-point underdogs to NC State, that means we've done something dreadful to start this season. Really? Independent of what we do, no, I, I think. If we're three, if we're, uh, well, Duquesne, okay. Because their reputation has increased in the preseason, uh, pollsters and pundits like them enough that I would think that that might influence the line. They're good, but you would make NC State, right? I mean, let's say we're 3-2. and two. You'd make NC State an 8 or a 9-point favorite over Florida State? I could see 8.5, mm-hmm. sure. Okay. If it's a if it's a 7, yeah. if it's a primetime kick you up there. You think we're going to suck? Uh, <laughs> Clemson here. Uh, that could be Clemson favored by more than a touchdown. Hopefully, their dysfunction puts that squarely at six and a half. The problem we have is that Clemson, if they struggle again at quarterback, they'll make the move. They've got a kid in waiting that they are excited about. So by the time they come here in mid October, they're not waiting around on DJ. Yeah. Well, that then the key becomes: uh, Does our pass rush actually look decent? Because Van Dimes was the that kid that you speak of. He yeah. was that type of player by the time they got here, and he was rattled for a full half. Made all the difference in the world. It also helped that it was awfully windy in that first half. He struggled with That's that. True. He did. Uh, will be more than a touchdown favorite over poor Georgia Tech, who once again, can I just have fun with all my fellow college football fans and go through the Georgia Tech schedule again? Can we just do that to make ourselves smile a little bit? Can we beat them so we can smile? Sir, I, I will I will come on the air Monday and vote for a, a firing of Mike Ravel if we lose to Georgia Tech this year. That team sucks. They got nothing, and they're dead in the water. <laughs> Look, and, and I, uh, October 29th, they're they're on life support at Georgia Tech. There's 16 people going to the games. Yep. The coach's house has been burned to the ground, unfortunately, in a terrible turn of events with a very angry fan base. I just don't know, man. So you're telling me that that Monday show is also Halloween? Yes. If we lose to Georgia Tech, and I don't want us to, but this would We're be a small going. silver lining. Going to this lose. Would be a, put on the conductor overalls, get a farmer <laughs> hat, and bring a pitchfork in. <laughs> For the video, bring a pitchfork, right. a physical huge pitchfork in. Listen to this. These poor bastards. What are you guys doing? Why would you do this to somebody? You're Georgia Tech, and you play Clemson to start the year. <laughs> Okay, we're off to a great start. 8 o'clock in prime time, uh, September the 5th, lose by 50. Because uh, remember, Dabo loves to hammer that. Correct, but yes, hammer that blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, that particular coach. Yeah, and Collins. Team, yes. But he was powerless to do so last year, so that's interesting. Oh, okay, yes, they lost their best players. It's not going to – Georgia Tech's dead. Okay, now you you better get that win five days later against WCU – uh, that's just a person. They're playing a person. <laughs> WCU. <laughs> but then they play Ole Miss. Like we got to. If you're Georgia Tech, you got to start with Clemson and Ole Miss in the first three weeks. Good Christ! Then you go on the road to UCF. Then you're on the road at Pitt. Oh man, you lose both of those. Oh, you're, you're definitely gonna lose both of those. Even though Gus busts, you know, sometimes Gus loses uh, weird games. Uh, yeah, I'm not much on Gus. But then you're host. Okay, you're hosting Duke. Better win that one. You got Virginia. Then you're on the road at Florida State. Then you're on the road at Georgia, Virginia Tech. Then you play Miami. Then you're on the road against North Carolina, and you end the year against Georgia. <laughs> what are they doing? I mean, there's like. Seven thirty-five point plus ass beatings on that schedule. Just guys sitting there staring off in the distance, pondering, <laughs> playing games on their TI eighty threes, shirt off, reading a book. I mean, that is what's ha- well, maybe. I don't know. It's a lot of nerd sweat. <laughs> that thirty-five plus 
probably 24 plus, 24 plus there, 21 plus there. They may have quit, and so therefore it inflates the numbers the rest of the year. This is 21 plus. What's That's, the future line on Georgia right now? Can you just can you get a game in October or November for Georgia Tech right now? November 25th. It'd be hard to find that line, but I'll look. I'll look during the break. How about here. some October lines? You got to invest here because they're going to quit. Would you be willing to if I if if Georgia's favored at home by 50 over Georgia Tech? November 26th. Would you lay it? 48 and a half? Could I tease it? <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply you're considering buying a new home in the current climate We've certainly heard that demand is high, inventory is low. How do you get a leg up on the rest of the buyers, all making offers on the same house as you? Tom did that. That's a that's a toughie. The first place that I'm going to suggest you start is with a call to my friend Shannon at Legendary Home Loans. Shannon will set you up with a complete pre-approval underwriting. That used to be considered an upgrade. Nowadays, it's got to be standard. If you want to get your offer on a new home pushed through to the front of the line, you need a TBD full underwriting approval from Legendary Home Loans. You'll shorten or even remove your financing contingency, and the sellers will know that you are serious. Find out more today. Go uh, call Shannon, team of Legendary Home Loans, 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Or visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Revisiting the... Reference I made earlier in the show to Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark in his first public appearance uh, in a while. Quote, the conference is exploring all options when it comes to further expansion, including the possibility of adding Pac-12 schools to the Big 12. This quote is pretty direct, and I think that this is an approach that Jim Phillips will have to take too next week when we're at the ACC kickoff. I don't know that he'll use the same verbiage, but it'll be interesting to see. The quote from your mark reads, we're open for business. <laughs> I like that from him. He said that today, specifically while being asked whether or not the Big 12 was considering talking to schools in the Pac-12 about joining the Big 12. Optionality is good. We're vetting through all of this. I think it's fair to say I've received a lot of phone calls and a lot of interest. We're exploring those levels of interest. Nothing is imminent at this time. They get into, in this article, the expansion of the Big Ten with USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten and the greater discussion of conference realignment. Earlier in the month, in response to the news about two of the flagship programs leaving the Pac-12, board of directors authorized 10 schools that remain in the league to explore options and begin negotiations for their next media rights deal. 
the 10 university presidents and chancellors remain committed to a shared mission of academic and athletic excellence on behalf of student athletes. Now, that's nonsense. They don't. They don't remain in any way uh, unified, committed, with a shared belief and or mission for academics and athletic excellence. That's not true at all. They remain committed until they have better options. That's how that should read. I'm committed for now, but if Selma Hayek calls, I'm just saying it's a toughie. Your mark, who will officially replace outgoing Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby on August the 1st, takes over the position at one of the most tumultuous times in the history of college athletics, you don't say. That deal, the media rights deal for the Pac-12, runs through 2024-2025. That's it. That's all. We will leave no stone unturned to drive value for the conference, said Yormark, who sat next to Bowlesby on the stage at the Big 12 Media Days opener at AT AT&T Stadium, where we've been. And the Internet is wicked fast. Unbelievable. He added, there's not a definitive plan currently. (laughs) <laughs> but we have a a very unified group, I assure you. We have a binder. We have a unified group. Again, until we don't. Until we don't. We currently have a unified group. Until one of them receives a much better offer than they currently have with us here at the Big 12. That's, that's all he has to say. Can't say it, but has to say it. I feel very confident that our conference is in the best position that it's ever been. Well, then you're an idiot. Because if you think that your conference got better by losing Texas and Oklahoma and adding BYU and Cincinnati, then you're a bigger dumbass than anybody realizes. That's ridiculous. Nobody thinks that, and you don't either. Tom, why are you working overnights at Waffle House? Best job I've ever had. It's incredible. Let me tell you, this most lucrative, best job I've ever had. And I know, to hear me say it, you might raise an eyebrow, but the, the benefits, both of the time slot and medically. I get to see the sunrise every day on the way home. Changes your outlook on the world. Okay. Typically, Bowlesby gives the Media Day State of the Conference address. Um, but <laughs> Bob is leaving us, quote, in a great place. If by great place you mean dead on the side of the road in a ditch, that's a, that's a toughie, man. That is funny that your mark has to sit up there and praise the outgoing uh, Bowlesby. Who, uh, of course, he would be there. Well, he's sitting there next to him. He's leaving us in a great place, face down in the muck. Do we have the audio though? Might you say he's leaving us in a great place, as you guys all know. <laughs> what a great place we're left in. Thank you, Bob. I said at the time that I thought our board was aligned as I had seen uh, more aligned than I had seen them in my ten years with the Big Twelve. It was, I think, eight days later that Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving to go to the SEC. So you can take my assessment of calm waters for what they're worth. Oh, good. He poked fun of himself there. There we go. That's good. Yeah. Nothing. They're worth nothing. We're screwed, you ass, is what everybody thought in the room. $2.5 million. He gets to walk away. My man. 
I'm headed to the beach. You guys try to find a breath of fresh air. It's funny. Those guys are all laughing to keep from weeping. That is the, that's the line of the day, though. Well, I, you know, we don't have a definitive plan right now. But we feel like we're in the best position we've ever been. <laughs> Man, that is the football conference commissioner equivalent to the Walt Bell answer to you. What is your job responsibility as offensive coordinator, Willie Taggart? Well, yeah, I did laugh at that, though. Um, he, he didn't give me an answer, but it wasn't quite as dire. Like, that was just he wasn't yes, sure. Yes, it was. No, no, but he, he didn't know his role, which – in retrospect, should have told us a little something about the lack of communication amongst the staff. Yeah, we were like, that's weird. That is strange that the OC doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. I guess Willie's a micromanager, wants to do it all himself. But but it's not the same as sitting next to the outgoing Big 12 commissioner who's getting a huge golden parachute and have to tell everybody that you couldn't be better off or that you're better off than you've ever been. And my man, you just lost Texas and Oklahoma and added freaking BYU and Cincinnati. What the? What are we? <laughs> what are you talking about? The state of our conference is stronger what are you than ever. About? They added BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Well, that'll that'll make up for the loss of Texas and Oklahoma. Hmm. That's a toughie. <laughs> just, I just like that somebody tried. I'm, at least my man did was a little self-deprecating for a half a second. You know, it was eight days later after I told you we've never been more unified that Texas and Oklahoma left for the SEC, so you can take my assessment of the calm waters that I spoke of last year at this time uh, for what they're worth. Yes, apparently you were lying to all of us. It was worth nothing. That's not a tsunami. <laughs> no, sir. It looks like the type of wave that could kill you. It's low-lying it's clouds. fall short. Don't worry about it. Don't run. Don't run. Jeff Cambridge, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio or Chat TV. I thought was interesting yesterday. Tom, I don't know if you uh, got to listen to the Tiger Woods press conference, but one thing that really stood out was uh, his pimp hand is strong. Uh, it is over. In so many ways, it is. It's over. At least three ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that was fascinating. I, I think that the the returning of fire has occurred. Uh he basically said, you're not going to get any world ranking points if you're at live and you're done. Your career's over. Enjoy the money. Um, that's what he said. And what it tells you is that he's spoken to the people at the USGA, RNA, and the powers that be. And we're already beginning to see this play out because Greg Norman was not invited back as a two-time champion for the champions event. So I wondered aloud at the time, debate aside about going or not going what the repercussions would be because no you know you're not going to voluntarily give up power nobody ever does it's true as a city nation army you name it you're not going to voluntarily give up power maximus did <laughs> so, so i would suggest to you that um once they were able to form a better bond and relationship and have a shared vision um then they were, you know, I'm talking about internationally, uh, I'm talking about the European tour and the PGA tour. 
once that happened, the writing was on the wall. And so where I think it's interesting is that you lay it, what the PGA does to save themselves there, it's less about players that are at the end of their career taking a payday. And it's about making sure that the young players coming out of college, the elite players that have hit the tour and hit the ground running and had immediate success. Guys like Colin Morikawa is your defending open champion. Not that he was going to leave, but players of that ilk, players of that caliber that have come out in recent years. I mean, Will Zalatoris has only been on the tour now for a year and a half. He's got three second place finishes in majors. He's, you know, he was he didn't even have status when he finished second at the Masters. You don't want to lose those players if you're projecting your product moving forward. And how do you ensure that not happen when that obvious money grab is available? Um, well, you, you let them know that they will not be playing in the majors. That's how you do it. <laughs> That's basically what you just did, was tell them that if they cared anything about having a career of merit, uh, then they would they would not be able to earn the points and not be able to participate in events that matter. So that's the counter. Now we'll just have to wait and see how soon they're able to make it official. But I think that's what basically Tiger Woods was announcing yesterday. Yeah, he was. Uh, he had his ducks in a row because he already was going to volunteer the point about Jack and Arnold reclassifying the PGA Tour from what it originally was, which was a collection of tour, you know tour pros and then teaching professionals, teaching professionals as one thing. And the reclassification of the tour that was one of the criticisms. That said, well, Arnie and Jack created a tour because they were pissed off they weren't making enough money. Tiger had an answer for that. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. What's interesting is when when Rory quote was quoted saying, I, I hope there's a reconciliation between the two sides, I found that interesting. Like, why would he say that? That tells me that maybe he knows that something is in the works, where there's, there's a pathway back, or you don't get world ranking points to play it live, but you can go play it and come back and play the PGA to a certain degree. I don't believe that's possible. I don't think that'll happen. I think. Then why is he calling for a reconciliation? Well, because I, he would be the last person you would think that would call for such a thing. Yeah, he's done a good job of representing the PGA players. Uh, I think that what he would, would argue is that if you did not have status and you made a decision to go play, I learned early on that before the – what, what you have now with the ranking system for collegiate golfers, which is a direct path now onto the Corn Ferry Tour, which you didn't have before. One of the problems when, when, when you finished your amateur career, your, your college career, no matter how prolific you may have been, unless you didn't get an invite, a special invite or whatever the sponsor's set, exemption, right? Yeah. Those exemptions that we speak of all the time you weren't real sure where you were going to be able to play. And, of course, in order to crew enough success and points, you have to be able to play. And if you weren't one of those guys that had a prolific career, you might not get these exemptions. You're just trying to find a place to play. Because what you need to do when you finish college is play so that you can continue to go down a path and eventually earn a tour card. I think that some of the the veteran tour players who loathe what Liv did and see it as a direct threat and hate the players that went over would be willing to make an exception for kids that didn't have status, who went and took a chance to play somewhere right, and right. got offered, you know, and they have no money, they're broke, they get out of school, they're like, we'll give you $2 million, come over here and play this event. If you're one of those guys and you didn't have status on the tour to begin with, you could see a path where they'd say, okay, but that's forgivable. Dustin Johnson, have fun, your career's over. Right. Yeah, I hope the money's good. I think you could maybe see that. And that would make sense to me to some extent. Yes. Yeah, it would. It's not over yet. It'll be fun. But yeah, Tiger, I I was surprised by how definitive he was. 
Because Tiger loves money too, but I think it's also because, and somebody pointed this out yesterday, he built that tour. Look, the PGA Tour was, it, it existed before Tiger got there, and I know it was founded and it has history, but Tiger took it to a place where it's its a follow on Twitter and people care to follow it. Nobody would have cared to follow that thing on Twitter if Tiger didn't exist. Well, Tiger on the heels of Jack, on the heels of, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but he so took my, it to a level that was primed for the 21st century. Right. And, Arn, Arnold gets credit for First and foremost, and then you know yeah. that's why he's considered the king. And then Jack came along, bested Arnold, and became even more charismatic. And then from there, you had intermittent successes with certain players. I'm just saying, if it was Brad Faxons and Nick Faldo, and David Duvall's, that this wouldn't be a thing like it is now. Right. But also the reason is that Tiger worked real hard, and as he pointed out several times yesterday, built that empire. Out of the ground. Right. Through competition. Through competition, which is the exact opposite of what's happening at Live. Correct. And they're right to point all of that out. And as fans of golf, we should be glad that something's going to be able to rectify this. You don't yeah. want to see yeah. Yeah. the you know obliteration of a tour that we enjoy watching. The other thing he said, too, is like, you know, 54 holes, too. I get it if you're battered and beaten down as a senior, oh, yeah. you play 54. But, oh, I mean, took, you know. He took shots. That was well done. 54 holes. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny. Well, he had a lot of things to there say. There were 18-hole playoffs of the USG, I mean, which is funny because it's not anymore, but I played on a broken knee. I don't know. 18 yeah. holes the next 18 day. holes. Me and Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> we had to play an extra hole. Yeah, that was funny. He was prepared, ready to go, and it was an awful- uh, Weak ass. Awfully good. So there was that. Yeah, there were shots of, hey, look at you weak asses. But I also just love that he kept reiterating, I mean, to have a golf career and never get to play these hallowed grounds and never get to step foot at Augusta National, that's just, that's tough. That That could happen. He looked around as he said it. That could happen. We don't know, but that could happen. Isn't that right, Fred Ridley? <laughs> it could happen. Wink. Yeah, that was good. He stared a couple times at a few people in the back like, that's something that we don't know, but it could definitely happen. Like, dude, <laughs> just told everything. We sat at the table with the, with the main boss. He's letting you know. I'm not saying as sure as I wear red on Sundays. <laughs> this is, is going to happen, but. You know, I wear red on Sunday. It's been talked about. It's Sometimes it's fuchsia pink, happen. but it's kind of red. We'll do probables next. You want to do probables next? Let's uh, let's we'll skip ahead here and go to probables next. Tonight at six o'clock, War Chant TV special edition of Wake Up War Chant. A uh, little get together, a little gathering, a little gather around the fire discussion. It'll be uh, a lot of fun at 6 o'clock. Warchant TV, Corey Aslan, joining you guys in a little chat session. A little chitty-chatty. Let's do problems. A little chatsky? Yeah. Let's have a little chat, shall we? Soon enough, we could be doing some chats for football, buddy. We may have to. A little fireside action? We could. Okay. Well, if it gets cold, we got to wait until it gets cold. Long time. Yeah. Long, long time. <laughs> But we could still maybe I'll do a fake fire. I don't have the fake fireplace. Do you have a fake fireplace? No, no. You know the ones we talk about with the, the people with their TVs on? Yeah. The little stands with the fake fire? Yeah, uh Good Morning Football had that uh Kyle. I know he did. I liked it. Yeah. They're so cheesy. And it would be like in September. <laughs> it would be on. Yeah. All right, probables. Here we go. Fire it up. It's time for how you say with the pitching uh, probably. Boy, the Mets are just beating the Braves' ass today. This is not even a competitive baseball contest. Is that so? 7-1 Mets in the seventh. Oh. Chris Bassett started for the Mets. Mott! Charlie. 
having a rough go. Don't blow it, bullpen. You know who's hitting cleanup for the Mets today? Luis Guillorme. <laughs> this is an impressive 7-1 win, sir. Very, well, uh, lead. Baseball. Big lead. Impressive 7-1 lead. Big lead right now. Mariners, Nats are in the ninth inning. That game looks to be over, too. 6-1 to Seattle. 1-1 Milwaukee and Minnesota in the fifth. That was, I don't know who that was pitching there. Oh, yeah, there it is. Aaron Ashby and Joe Ryan. Tigers, Royals, Tariq Skubal, Brady Singer. D-backs, Giants, Zach Gallen, John Brebbia. Mariners National, Tommy Maloney and Eric Fetty. We've got the Pirates looking to win the first three games of a four-game set over the Marlins after back-to-back wins down in South Florida. Buccos have won four straight on the road with a lineup in which nobody's hitting over 220. It is impressive. Not even Vogelbach? Yeah, well, he's a part-time starter and a DH at that. But, yeah, he's uh, didn't start last night. We, we started three players last night with a, with a batting average. And I know batting average isn't everything. Under 205. Won the game. One of the guys hitting under 205 hit a 430-foot tank job. It was incredible. JT Brubaker's 2-8 and eight and garbage. Will not beat Pablo Lopez today in all likelihood. That's who's pitching for the Marlins. Reds, Yankees, Mike Miner, Luis Severino. Phillies, Blue Jays, Zach Wheeler, Ross Stripling. Red Sox, Rays, Josh Winkowski and Shane McClanahan. White Sox, Guardians, Lucas Giolito and Aaron Savelli. We've got the Dodgers and the Cardinals, Tony Gonsal and Adam Wainwright. Is Adam Wainwright going to pitch the entirety of my broadcasting career? I believe the answer is yes. I'll retire, be old, and my final probables will be Adam Wainwright is starting for the Cardinals. Orioles, Cubs, Spencer Watkins, and Justin Steele. We've got the A's and the Rangers, Paul Blackburn and John Gray. Padres, Rockies, Joe Musgrove. Have yourself a year. Two former Pirates facing each other today, both better than anybody we have in the rotation. That'd be Joe Musgrove for the Padres and Chad Cool for the Rockies. And finally, the Astros and the Angels, Christian Javier. Shohei Atani's ass kicking ways continue. He'll start tonight for the Angels, and that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Man, I saw there was some blowback towards uh, the amount of praise that Shohei Itani receives in the press along with uh, Trout, and I thought, well... Who's blowing back? People were like, tired of hearing that every time Trout hits a home run, it's described as a Herculean feat, and Shohei Itani, every time he gets a win, is described as a player unlike we've seen ever before. And I'm like, well, that's because he is. And it's also because Mike Trout could end up retiring as the greatest player to ever live. So what gives, everybody? I think it's just <laughs> frustration that the Angels are that's a the ridiculous franchise. Ridiculous. It makes me mad, too. It makes me mad because I love the sport, and the two players that would garner the most amount of attention and help elevate the sport are on a ridiculous franchise that does nothing, and nobody sees their games. It's unfortunate. Now, that said, I hate that. I don't need him to go to the Mets, and I don't need him to go to the Yankees, and I don't need him to go to the Dodgers. And I don't. So, I mean, that's the hard part here. It's clear that what's best for baseball is to force Shohei Itani 
to be atop the rotation for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, yeah, there it is. A long-standing, dominant franchise with six world championships and a tremendous fan base playing in the most unique stadium in all of sport. That's where you send Shohei or Trout. If you want, if you want Shohei to go somewhere else, I'll take Trout instead. Right. That's fine. The man who saved Pittsburgh. There's your 30 for 30 there documentary. That's right. Which, I mean, it might be Mark Cuban. If they would ever let that go through, he needs to go ahead and purchase the Pirates and Robert Nutting, maybe an unfortunate car wreck. Mm. Unfortunate name as well. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, I, I, <laughs> he, he, buddy. Circling back, Georgia Tech is only a 19 and a half point underdog mm. to Clemson on September the 6th, folks. Woo! Gonna go ahead and take the uh, Clemson Tigers and lay that 19 and a half out here today, friends. September 6th? Isn't that the date? I was just uh, wondering which week it was. I don't know. Sometimes they play week zero, September it feels 5th, like. September the 5th. Nice. Yeah. That's a Monday. Big Monday matchup. When we get back. A little ESPN 8 o'clock primetime ass whooping. Oh, boy. There you go. Is that right? That can't be right. What's the first half line if it's only 19 and a half? That's not up yet, man. 13 and a half? all early on, all Usually early tracks on. tracks about a touchdown light, right? Yeah. They got Ole Miss on ABC two weeks later. Then it's... <laughs> Man, I just love that, you know, I wish for our purposes we had a bye week later in the year for good weather. We had the October 22nd bye week, which is not bad. It's it's mediocre. But you get a week two bye week? Yeah, man. Get to watch a whole lot of football on a Saturday? Usually September, we don't see a lick of the noon window or the 3.30 window. We're too busy. Yeah, um, I want to start to settle in and, and mark it down in terms of preparing for the windows that we do have to watch and not cover so just yeah, I'm gonna a start. ton this year. Yeah, because the Saturday before LSU, you got that whole day. You got the bye week next, the Friday Louisville, so you get that next day, October twenty second, and then rivalry Saturday because we play Florida on Friday. So the earliest, wow. the earliest of games on the twenty seventh of August, obviously, and we're included in that mix with Duquesne. We have Nebraska Northwestern. All right, all right, that's something. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a game. Wyoming at Illinois. Oh, a little uh-huh. underrated, a little underrated action there. Duquesne and Florida State, obviously, but uh, yeah. Florida- That's a 5 o'clock. We're 5, right? Yeah, we're 5 o'clock. Uh-huh. That's not bad. I hope the Rattlers can go and, and play well at UNC, but uh, that's a toughie. Good work out of you. Good work, Director Matthew. Be well, everybody. Have a great night. We'll talk to you later.